I've, I've gone back and forth on this with, with alcohol because it's something that I don't necessarily have a great relationship with. I think I've used it as a coping mechanism in the past and, and had it take a very negative effect on me. You know, I have to be a little bit cautious, but I think part of that is just being aware of it, which you know, with age and maturity, I've, I've been able to get that. Hello and welcome to The Long Munch, the nutrition podcast for runners, cyclists and triathletes. My name is Alan McCubbin. I'm an accredited sports dietitian, lecturer and researcher in sports nutrition at Monash University in Melbourne. And I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, fellow sports dietitian and researcher, Steph Gaskell. Now, Steph, we were going to record this last night, but you said, no, I have a running dinner. So my question <laughs> for you, were you running and eating at the same time or were you eating with running people? Yes, um, I was actually running with eating people and I didn't... Have... Running with eating people? Oh, I was eating <laughs> with running people. I didn't okay. participate in the running because um, I'm just getting myself back together again. Um, I just enjoyed the um, the eating. One of the runners has a really cool pizza bar place. So we, we headed there and I just got to enjoy eating pizza and drinking beer. <laughs> okay, but you didn't have to run and eat it at the same no, time. No, no, nice. yeah, we didn't. We didn't do that. That would be a good challenge, actually. Maybe we should do oh, a bit of gut training with choke. that. Yeah, we don't want anyone choking. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, no, it was it was good. Good crowd. Um, it's nice to do those bonding team club bonding um, social occasions every now and then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what else has been happening? Been busy in the lab. Busy in the lab, yeah. Uh, so recruiting still. So please, if anyone's interested, I think for mine and your study, Alan, um, yeah, give us a uh, send us an email or social media message. We'd love to have you. Um, but yeah, thankfully, I've, I have gotten a few through, and I must do a shout out to Julie Savage, who's done all of my studies and a lot of our studies, and is just downright awesome and I think I've gotten um, a lot more from from Julie putting a post out in the Victorian Ultra um, Marathoners Facebook page um, but yeah that's that's a big help yeah I think Julie must be our most studied I think so. athlete I think so and it's so good she's always so happy and now she just knows how to do everything she actually reminds me <laughs> It's like, Steph, aren't we due for this? I'm like, okay, yes, we are. <laughs> so yep. yeah, it just it makes it really lovely when you've got when you've got people like that and they they're so keen to be involved, really interested in the data and um and helping out with the research. So um yep. what about you? I've seen you busily um cooking and, and packaging in the lab as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, doing all the food prep. We talked about this a couple of podcasts ago about having to do it. Well, now we've pretty much finished doing yes. it. Um, but, yes, long long hours uh, mm. in the kitchen mm. preparing all the food for the, the sodium replacement study. Mm. So um, it's probably a, a good point, actually, is to talk about what the, the studies are that we're mentioning. If anyone is interested in doing them, is based in Melbourne. Yep. So uh, there's actually three different studies happening at the moment at mm. Monash. So... Um, the one we're just talking about now is a sodium replacement study, so where we basically sweat test people and then provide them with capsules with sodium or placebo, so no sodium, uh, depending uh, according to the result of the sweat test, which is 
it sounds bizarre to say it, but it's literally never been done before, mm. as far as I can tell. Um, it is a five-hour study, so it's more geared, I guess, for ultra runners mm -hmm. or maybe some Ironman guys out there that feel like going for a trot for five hours. Mm. Then, um, yeah, it's uh, it's in a heated tent in a tr on a treadmill, which is not always the most pleasant, but you get a lot of uh, very useful data from that. Um, you get entertained. We've got Netflix. We've got Foxtel. We've got uh, plenty of things to to watch and listen to as you go along. Uh, and as you've said before, Steph, it's it's kind of broken up. It's not five hours of continuous running on the treadmill. Mm. You uh, you get off for various bits and pieces and back on again. So it it does break it up a little bit. And if they're wanting to see how they, you know, if they do have an event, I think particularly for people that have an event coming up that may be in the heat. It's a perfect way to get some data to see how your body responds because they're going to be in – they're in 35, aren't they, in yours, in 35 degrees Celsius? Uh, no, 30, 30. 30 in ours. But yeah. still, um, so it's a great way to, you know, leading into an event like a few months out to, to learn how their body's managing. Yeah, absolutely. You get a whole bunch of data mm -hmm. around – your sweat losses, both water and sodium, uh, how much you're, you're naturally inclined to drink, how well you tolerate that, mm. um, and also, you know, your oxidation, so how much carbohydrate versus fat you're using, you know, every half an hour over the five hours. Mm. So yeah. yeah, and get to hang out with a, um, a sports dietitian so they can basically just um, ask as, as many questions as they like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, so that's the first study. The second one is obviously the one that you're working on at the moment, Steph. So you're looking at the effect of different durations of running, mm -hmm. so one, two, and three hours, yep. uh, on how well things move through the gut. Is that a yeah. fair summary? Yeah, just, yep. Pretty much spot on, just on how well the gut's functioning, so how well it moves through and just um, the kind of the activity of the gut as well. So, um, yeah, seeing if there's any patterns there, basically. Yep. Uh, and then the third study, uh, which uh, Zoya, mm. one of our colleagues, is running, uh, is one around pre-probiotic mm. supplementation. So I think, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it might be eight weeks of supplementation yeah. and then coming in. So I think doing a test, yes. doing your, your eight weeks yes. of either, you know, the supplement. supplement or the placebo and then coming back and doing a follow-up test, which I mm. can't remember is either two or three hours three, of running as well. Yeah, so three, three hours and I think that in... The in I thought they're in thirty or thirty five degree heat as well. I think 30, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. 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 But um, more looking at, at similar to yours, gut function, gut symptoms, those sorts of things. So yeah. uh, you get a whole lot of uh, really useful data around that stuff. This sort of stuff that, that some athletes come in and, and pay us hundreds of yeah. dollars to do. Yep. You get that for free, mm. obviously, for being part of the study. Yeah. Yep, yep, and they get some food as well prior, at least. Um, I know with Zoya's study, it's three days leading into, so all your food yep, supplied for three days. Alan's is four, and sorry, but mine is only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. Mm. Cool. So, yeah, if anyone wants to uh, get involved in any of those, you can look up our social media channels at The Long Munch on either Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and if you, you look back through the posts there, you'll see the information about all three of those studies uh, posted through those three social media channels. Um, or you can uh, look up Monash Nutrition and Exercise Clinic mm. um, also on those three, uh, particularly Twitter and Facebook is probably more active. Yeah, um, and and see the information about those. And just to highlight, they're in Melbourne, unfortunately. So if you are interstate, yes. we'd love to have you, but it does mean that you'd need to 
be in Melbourne for, you know, probably like you, at least three or four weeks, really. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because you've got to do those trials yeah. at least a week apart. Yeah. Uh, and depending on the study, there's anywhere from two to four trials. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, here on the Long Munch, we take a deep dive into some of the most common nutrition questions that runners, cyclists and triathletes ask. Uh, this is stuff that people commonly debate, uh, don't necessarily find good answers for, or there's sort of lots of myths or misconceptions around as well. Uh, and so we break those down and invite a guest expert or an athlete or coach to provide their perspective on it as well. So we always have two episodes, an A and a B episode. Um, and our topic today, it's episode 11B, uh, and our topic for episode 11 was, can I have a beer after my hard training session? So in 11A last week, we had Associate Professor Ben Desbro from Griffith University, who's done some research into this area around beer and, and recovery, uh, particularly the rehydration part. But you know, we obviously talked about other aspects of recovery and all the different R's, like a pirate. Um, and then this the B episode today, so we have an athlete guest to talk about that. So, Steph, do you want to tell us who our athlete guest is today? Yeah, yep. Um, so we have the one and only Nathan Shearer. Um, he, I'm lucky enough to have um, met Nath the last um, few years uh, through working with him uh, at the running company, which is a specialty running store. Uh, but Nath is a, a pro professional triathlete. Um, he, he actually used to play the sport of cricket. So he actually used to, I guess, um, live and breathe cricket and, and think about being a professional cricketer uh, some time ago. But then uh, things changed and he did his first triathlon uh, in the Gold Coast, the sprint distance in 2013. And I think from there has never really looked back. He's uh, some highlights for him. He's um, he came first in the age group of twenty five to twenty nine at at Kona, in I think that was where was that? That was ooh, in the two thousands two thousand and sixteen or fifteen. Um, Anyway, I know Nath enjoys to have a beer, um, which I also do, and the boys at the running company and girls do there. So I thought, well, yeah, who better to get to come on to the show and talk about whether it's okay to have a beer post-session and when he does it, if he chooses particular sessions when he'll do it, um, and his overall approach with, with, with that. He's also a coach, so um, he coaches a lot of endurance athletes. Uh, so also just getting his feedback on how he approaches that subject matter with his athletes. Um, so, yeah, great, great guy. Um, he's known for uh, going on long runs with his Kelpie Fury and um, supported by his partner, Beck. So looking forward to having the wonderful Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think this is a really interesting conversation, um, quite philosophical at times. I think yeah. Nate's a, a pretty philosophical yes. guy and uh, talking, I guess, about, you know, not just the context of a beer after training, but but alcohol pro probably more broadly um, and I guess some of the, the risks and 
risks of that as well as you know any potential benefits so uh, again like we said last week obviously you know it's not a a podcast designed to you know condone or Mm. encourage people to drink alcohol but uh more so to inform people if they they do enjoy beer and they've sort of wondered oh what's it doing to my recovery uh finding out a bit more about that so yeah really interesting conversation with nathan so looking forward to to getting into this one uh, so before we do that, uh, just a reminder that you can provide any feedback to us uh, via social media at The Long Munch on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you if you've got any suggestions for upcoming episodes of the podcast. We've got a couple um, planned coming up over the next few weeks, actually, that will be sort of aligned with some of the, the feedback and questions that we have had from people via social media. So that's been, been great. Um, and also, if you particularly if you use Apple Podcasts, if you'd like to to leave a, a rating um, or uh, write a review on that, we'd, we'd very much appreciate that as well. That certainly helps uh, grow the uh, the podcast in terms of its reach and then more people get to, to find out about it, which is always fantastic. Uh, so I think that's all we need to talk about now, Steph. We might get straight into this interview with Nathan Shearer. Looking forward to it. Let's do it. All right, Nathan Shearer, welcome to The Long Munch. How are you going? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for, for coming along and talking to us about a topic that I know is close to probably my heart, your heart, and Steph's heart, because often yeah. Steph is sitting here with a beer while we're recording this podcast. Have you got one tonight, Steph? I actually don't, sadly. Why, Why not? I know. I don't know. Gifford was just telling me off for my... Um, drinking so she's (laughs) taking she's taken it away from me tonight Uh, pick the wrong time to do it (laughs) yep yep well i've had one so you've had one yeah yeah good i don't have any in the house unfortunately at the moment shame shame yeah Yeah. i figured i had to to be on on topic on topic yeah Yeah, exactly absolutely (laughs) awesome All right, Nathan, can you tell us a little bit, first of all, about your background in triathlon? Um, I know you had probably maybe a, a more unusual way of getting into the sport. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I guess it probably was a bit unusual in that I don't have a background as a junior or a, a younger athlete in any of the three sports. So I didn't swim, I didn't cycle until I was in my early 20s and I'd run you know, sporadically throughout playing other sports, but never, never with an endurance kind of basis. Um, and, and running was the first sport I took up when I was probably 21 or two. It was probably a little bit pre putting all three together. Um, but yeah, I played cricket for all of my youth and into my early adulthood. Um, and it wasn't until I probably burnt out a little bit in that mentally more than anything that I switched across and, uh, you know, dipped my toes into triathlon. I've never, never looked back. I stopped playing cricket and I didn't play again after that. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, And on the topic of beer, I'm guessing uh, in a sport like cricket, we talked about this with Ben Desbro last week. Uh, that's a sport where the sport and the beer often go together. (laughs) Is is that your experience? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's very cultural. Um, you know, for good, for better or worse, to be honest, like it's probably not, not a healthy culture yeah. uh, around sports like that. And, um, you know, having alcohol go hand in hand with uh, that sort of environment, it's probably not the best 
for young young men to be honest and that was my experience you know part of part of maybe rejecting that that environment in the end was part of the culture that I just never quite fit into and don't get me wrong I love a beer uh, and I still have them regularly but I think it's that binge excessive culture that that you know is probably something I didn't didn't gel with yeah and I guess yeah as you said is have a beer not beers multiple yeah. multiples yeah. as you, as you yeah. might in that environment yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's that cool. excess uh, nature of it yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so how did you make the transition across to I mean obviously you went into running first but what sort of sparked your interest in in that and then ultimately into triathlon yeah so it was um I'd kind of had I'd, I'd had Ironman on my periphery for probably a year two years before I actually did a triathlon uh, where I'd just kind of gotten into watching YouTube videos and watching like Ironman World Championship race recaps and stuff like that. And so I I sort of knew who Craig Craig Alexander at the time um, was world champ and I sort of knew who he was and, and kind of followed it without really following it, you know. I kind of knew a little bit but don't really know anything other than that I was interested in potentially giving it a crack one day. And then um, I'd finished a summer season here of cricket and it was my fifth consecutive season having gone to England for two winters um, during in between cricket seasons here. So I'd pretty I'd much like played county cricket over there. Two, two and a bit years, like nonstop, and I just had enough to be pretty frank like mentally I was pretty fried I think I was 20 was probably 23 or 22 um and it was all I'd ever done like I I, I kind of you know probably took it I know now I took it way too seriously and I wanted it way too much uh um probably maybe had the talent or the ability but just the mental side of it probably let me down in the end which is fine you know it it made me a better triathlete in the end um Mm -hmm. And so out, out of a summer season of cricket, I was just like, you know, I've talked about doing triathlon and never really actually taken the leap to do one. So I entered a sprint try on the Gold Coast, um, trained in inverted commas <laughs> or, you know, a loose, loose, very like loose version of it, uh, went and did the sprint. And I think the hardest thing that I had to overcome was actually doing it you know actually turning up and I think anyone in a new sport it's very intimidating especially in a sport like triathlon which is very gear heavy and you see all these very expensive bikes and very fit people um and you just think what the fuck am I doing this is Mm. ridiculous uh anyway the the hardest part is just starting but once I started it was it was great and I loved it and I signed up for an Ironman and did one 10 months later Wow. And that was, that was it. That was, yep. you know, that was a, a kind of probably testament to my personality. It's a little bit all or nothing. You know, I can't, I, I really struggle to just do something lightly or, yep. or, you know, not, not do it and try and get the best out of myself. So, you know, probably yeah. that's a big part of it, but yeah, it was yep. it definitely changed my life for the better. Yeah. 
cool. Mm. And, I mean, you mentioned before sort of getting kind of burnt out around that culture and the hectic travel and the schedule with cricket. What was, I mean, obviously triathlon and particularly Ironman, the training volume is pretty massive. What yeah. was it about sort of the structure of that that you found worked for you in the way that maybe cricket didn't? Uh, I think one of the big things in this, you know, since I've probably had some time time and distance between myself and cricket, being you know 10 8 10 years ago now um was cricket's a very individual sport played in a team mm. and it's very political at, at higher levels so not that every sport's like that but um i think it at a certain level it gets to be less about your just ability and more about what how you're perceived and whether or not you know you 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 are liked by certain people or, um, you know, you get opportunities based on people's idea of who you are and what you like and how you play. Yeah. Whereas triathlon is always just, it's more or less you against you, you know, you're, yep. not, you, you, you're competing on a course with thousands of other people, but you're not really, you're not racing anybody. Um, and I'd never, I'd never, I'd never experienced a sport like that. Like I'd never, I'd never gone out to do anything just to be better than what I was the day before. So mm. I think I really enjoyed that and I really enjoyed that single-mindedness of it. Um, and it really probably probably spoke to me as, as far as how I am as a personality and, and kind of suited me in the way I think about it. So yeah. um, like I said, once I got into it, it was just like, you know, it, it all it just all became how right, how do I get better how do I improve myself not necessarily who how do I beat xxx people it's just how do I beat myself two years ago yeah 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 awesome. so that was a big change yeah cool um, and tell us about 2021 what are, what are your plans for this year I mean I just saw that um, I don't know if you're planning to do Port Mac I just saw that that's been postponed. Uh, yeah no, thankfully not um, but I, I obviously, like everyone, probably know quite a few people that were planning that. Um, and just for context, probably, you know, it sucks as an individual not to be able to do a race when you've planned for it. But that that region's gone through a hell of a lot in the last 18 months with mm. fires, COVID, flooding. Um, you know, no one wants it more than they do. So it's pretty, pretty a bit of perspective is never a bad thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as racing, I did Geelong a week and a half ago and I'm yeah. racing Shepherd and challenge on Sunday. Yeah. The tentative plan is to look at cans, but now that port's been pushed back to September, that, that becomes a realistic possibility. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it was just more about, you know, I've had my own issues in the last three years with some pretty poor mental health, that have kept me out of out of racing altogether, um, and I've had massive periods of time where I haven't even really trained. So I've just found myself back in a position where I'm healthy, physically, mentally. You know, I can I can start to train and have been training and and actually target some racing. So you know, it's a nice it's a nice thing coming out of COVID as well. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Sounds like a good spot to be in. Mm. So um, the topic is, you know, can I have a beer after after a session? Um, yeah. The key word being a beer. Um, 
(laughs) (laughs) So tell us, I guess, just in terms of what your typical, you know, sports nutrition recovery is like after a a training session. So what do you kind of tend to do after you've done a, um, a session? Yeah, so uh, it's a little bit variable just I think in a sport like what I do, some of my sessions are obviously huge and others aren't. Mm. Um, so it does vary based on what I'm doing and what I've, what the goal from a nutritional standpoint is post-session. Yeah. Um, so for longer sessions where, you know, I'm obviously out there for a long period but it might be low intensity, I just I'd aim to eat within 30 minutes. I'd probably do that regardless of the session unless it's really short and easy. Yep. Um, just to make sure and then making sure I get a good hit of carbohydrates in that uh, post-session fueling, um, maybe some protein if it's been a longer, harder session. But the prior, I always just prioritise carbohydrate because I can't – I try not to overthink it rather. Mm-hmm. I, I could be quite specific with it, but mm-hmm. I probably don't deal – I'm not that good at that. I'm not very good at planning very specifically like that mm-hmm. as far as food. So I just tend to try and eat, you know, things that I have readily available. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I ran this afternoon after work and then had a banana with peanut butter on it Yep. straight after, just yeah. as like really easy, accessible carbohydrate that, you know, is a little bit of fat and protein from the peanut butter, but not, not a huge amount. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I t- you know, I think the hardest thing, for me recently has been addressing my issues with some low energy availability and just really not eating enough, not eating, you know, nearly enough to even function day to day, let alone train at the level that I do. So one of my big goals recently has been to eat a lot more (laughs) Mm -hmm. and more consistently too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the goal after a session is to eat for one um, and then trying to make that that 30 minute window yeah yep yep and I know like you know you you, you can find it hard as well as, um as when I did some work with Julian um Spence as well working at the running company because you obviously yep. manage the the running company at Clifton Hill and it gets hectic and busy there and you know sometimes it's just trying to get in enough food when totally and that look I'd be first to admit that was part of my issue was um probably uh, taking on a little bit too much stress that wasn't really maybe even real it's perceived stress and neglecting my own personal well-being um whether that be mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, all at various points. But one of the biggest things I was doing was not eating, mm. uh, you know, fasting until one or two o'clock in the afternoon and then eating very, very limited mm. and sporadically for the rest of the day. Like I had days where I was tracking it and there would, I'd, I'd be, wouldn't even make 2000 calories. Mm. Like my base metabolic rates, 3,200 or something with no training so you know i'm barely i'm not not even meeting functional targets yeah yeah which you know once i kind of had it in front of me on paper and addressed it i was like oh holy shit any wonder i feel terrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so having made those changes i actually found i've 
had a lot of positive effects come from that, um, you know, mood, emotional, just well-being, sleep, recovery, everything. You guys would know that better than I do, but that's just my experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, and so beer. <laughs> do you have a beer um, post-training session? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are we yep. talking every training session? No, or? of course not. No. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't crack a beer at 9am after a swim. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Double training it, sessions. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I, I, I like, I enjoy beer from a social standpoint, but I also just enjoy it um, having lived in England for a long time, played a lot of cricket, drunk a lot of beer. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of, I, I just enjoy having a beer and, mm. and drinking good beer. So I'm not, you know, I don't think, I, I certainly don't enjoy just drinking for the sake of drinking. Mm. And I've had patches in the last two or three years where I've been doing a lot of that and it actually becomes a very negative yeah. um, behaviour and it has a lot of, creates a lot of negatives for me. So... One, you know, part of that changes recently with being on this very improved mental health kind of path is is drinking less, yep. drinking far less regularly, very sporadically in, in, instead of drinking regularly and drinking nightly or, you know, second nightly. Um, so I definitely still have a beer after training, uh, obviously usually at night. Um, maybe it's once or twice a week at the most mm. you know one of those is usually after a big session on the weekend yeah and it and it is really it's just one yeah um and the other might be like tonight where uh i had one when i got home in if you needed uh, to be solidarity with the with the podcast exactly <laughs> so <laughs> and that was post post running so yeah 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 yep. it ties in yeah any particular type of beer that your is your go-to? No, not really. I mean, I really, I, I quite, I like, I like, the, I like the taste of good beers, and not to be, you mm. know, too wanky or hipster yep. or whatever you want to call yep, it. But you know, I quite enjoy <laughs> some of these smaller breweries around there's lots in victoria and melbourne but all down the east coast west coast too there's more and more available now craft beers and and small breweries small batches that are just they taste fantastic um mm. they're quite high, high alcohol content a lot of the time yeah. but if you're just having one it's probably you know negates that a little bit yeah, um, it's amazing. So I, I can't believe yeah. how they all stay in business. There's just like I know crazy. Every three months, there's another one opens up. Yeah. It's like how many of these little craft breweries can open yeah. up and still still stay going? Survive. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I live out in the the suburbs of Melbourne, and there's two within a ten minute walk of my house. Oh, they're it's everywhere. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm the same. Like I, I'm obviously in inner north in Preston, but there's like a couple within a k of my house. One of them's big, which is Moondog. Yeah, um, but they started out tiny in in Abbotsford, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah I, I, you're right. Like, at what point does that market become saturated? But I guess you know, I kind of look at the beer industry. Not to get off topic too much, but where I was living ten, fifteen years ago on the Sunshine Coast, 
back then there was no cafes. You had Gloria Jeans and Starbucks. Mm. Um, mm. And now there's a million and one different yep. tiny, very yeah, good true. small cafes and espresso places. It's yep. Same with beer. If yep. if you've never had choice, choice is quite nice. Mm. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. And is there much talk or discussion in your sort of circles about whether having a beer post training could, you know, hamper your training? Um, recovery and adaptations? Um, I mean, it's, it's come up here and there, more so probably when I've been in camp or group scenarios with with my coach, uh, who's a Kiwi. So we've, we've spent time in Noosa before as groups. Yeah. Um, but I guess we, share, we all share a similar philosophy in that none of us will ever drink to excess really ever maybe maybe it's a once a year type deal uh but we all certainly enjoy beer so we're not gonna we're not gonna not allow ourselves to have that so um not specifically in that does it you know have we gone deep on in a discussion around whether it's gonna hinder our training and performance Mm -hmm. but um it's certainly come up here and there and it's kind of our view that well Everything you know in moderation, and if it's very mild and it's one beer once a week, then it's probably not having a big effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And we talked about this last week with Ben Desbro and and sort of the the aims of you know post um, post training recovery and yeah. talking about the different R's like you know refueling, rehydration, repair, uh, regulation. You talked about Steph with the gut as well, um, but he mentioned an R that that never really gets mm. mentioned in that discussion, which is relaxation. Relax, and, yeah, and that's yeah. a, sure. you know, a really important one for athletes because there is a lot of stress involved. Yeah. Totally. Um, and there can be, you know, as, as you talked to, alluded to already, you know, a lot of uh, athletes do struggle with mental health issues. And if, um, totally. you know, if, if relaxation, whether it's in a training camp scenario or, or by yourself or with, with other uh, athletes in, in a squad or whatever it is, then, you know, if it's if it's not being harmful, then is is that really a problem? Totally, and it's a big so it's a big social mm. element, mm. Mm-hmm. you know, for better or worse, alcohol um, and having a beer is especially in a group scenario. It's something you do socially. Yeah, mm. it's not something we would do in our, on our own back in our hotel or at, at, in our room by ourselves. We're always you know we're out having one together. So mm. um, there's that very strong social aspect and and that's obviously great for your mental health as well yeah um yeah so yeah i i think you know it has its place um i've I've gone back and forward on this with with alcohol because it's something that i don't necessarily have a great relationship with personally Mm -hmm. i think i've used it as a coping mechanism in the past and and had it take a very negative effect on me and and take a negative role in my life so you know I have to be a little bit cautious but I think part of that is just being aware of it and um, not letting it get to that point which you know with age and maturity I've I've been able to get that but Mm. um, I think at the same time you know I know that about myself and I'm still not gotten to a point where I think all right I need to cut it out completely no more Mm. so you know, it has its place. It can play a role. Um, 
everyone has their own reasons. So, you know, relaxing is, is a big one. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, for a lot of people, the, the social relaxation element, I mean, that's regardless of how many beers, it's regardless of the alcohol content of those beers. So you could be having, you know, zero or very low alcohol beer and the, the social, the relaxation element is still there yeah, um, yeah, because it's not related necessarily to the actual alcohol content of the beer. No. And that's something I've tried recently is alcohol-free beers. Mm. Um, and there's some very <laughs> good ones out there, you know, same as, as all these little micro craft breweries we've touched on, there is the same thing for alcohol-free yeah. stuff. So mm. I don't necessarily think you're in a position where you sacrifice anything mm. to have those. Um, mm. The one element you're not getting is the alcohol, which if that's the element you really want, then, you know, it's not for you, but um, it can be a good a good thing to kind of mm. sub in. Yeah. If, if beer or alcohol is becoming a problem or if you know for yourself that it poses issues that you want to stay away from, um, then you know, alcohol free is probably a pretty good way to go. And I know a few elite athletes in triathlon that, that are sponsored by and drink alcohol free yep. beer. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously when you finish a, a training session, let's say you have, you have a beer, um, I guess the key thing that we were talking to with Ben as well is that, um, you know, it's, it's, that's one bit. It's not obviously the whole package of recovering nutrition. It's kind of like, okay, we have a beer, but then we're still doing everything else in terms of nutrition from a recovery perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, being a, a, an old, a Crowey fan, a Craig Alexander fan, I remember watching a video showing his day to day when he was winning world titles. And this is, pre me knowing anything about anything as far as endurance sport yep. goes and they're at home showing him making food and he was just like he had a very grounded holistic approach to it where he ate well he ate often and he ate a lot but he timed his meals really well obviously at that level but he was just like if i feel like a beer i'll have a beer i'm not gonna ever let it you know i, I he won't he won't stop himself from having those things that he likes or enjoys in certain settings. Um, and this is a guy that won three world titles in mm. Hawaii. So um, I think you get too absolute about anything, it becomes a problem yeah. or, or it poses probably more risk than just allowing yourself the odd beer here and there. But and especially yeah, you're right. with that training volume. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think with more kind of recent knowledge myself, um, a, a big risk for people in this sport is not is low energy availability. Um, it's not eating enough. It's being deficient nutritionally. So um, you're right, Steph, in that, you know, having a beer after a session is not your recovery. Like that's mm. not enough. It's not, it's not what you're relying on to refuel, but it can play a role. Um, and, and for multiple reasons, it part of it's refueling, relaxing, helping you, you kind of de-stress and uh, get into your recovery phase, however that may be, or however, however that looks mm. for you, rather. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And I think we've probably kind of answered this, but 
Um, you're obviously also a triathlon coach. Um, so yeah. do, do your athletes ever ask you in terms of, because I'm sure they ask um, about, you know, training nutrition and those types of things. Yeah. Do they ever sure. ask you about, you know, what I do with alcohol? I've never. I miss it? Yeah, not not mm-hmm. specifically. Like I've never been asked, should mm-hmm. I not drink, basically say. But, um, you know, I've probably been fortunate where coaching-wise I've had a lot of people who have been friends first and then I've coached them as well. But also they're, they're quite similar in personality. They're fairly dedicated. Then they're, they're in it for intrinsic reasons that and so you know that they're not questions that even really get to me as a coach they're probably things that they go over themselves like oh you know I could go out with friends this night and get Mm. totally obliterated Mm. especially some of the younger athletes but then they contextualize that with well I've got x training to do the next day How's that going to affect that? Oh, it's probably not going to go good. And so they they kind of arrive at that point themselves without ever needing to run it by me Um, because, you know, one beer or two beers is not going to hurt, but having five or six and trying to get up and do something of quality, anything of quality, or then even not that quality but of any length, you're going to struggle. Like it's not. And you're also, your outcomes from that session are going to be diminished too. So, you know, you're better off as a coach. I'd probably, if I got, hypothetically, if I got asked, you know, say I've got X event on this night and I want to go out and go to a Mm -hmm. wedding, whatever, and but I've got this session the next day, you know, I'd, I'd probably be inclined to go, just go to the, the event it's obviously mm. important mm-hmm. to you um mm. forget the session let's let's not do it yep. let's have a day off we'll work around yep. that you know it's, it's ultimately triathlon something people do it's yeah. not their whole life yep. for the most part so i think having that perspective always is important yeah, definitely <laughs> all right so we're going to go on to our bonus round so this is where we find out a little bit more about you cool. uh, and for our listeners. So the first question, if you could do anything besides what you're doing now, so you're obviously coaching, you've got the, the store, the running company in Clifton yeah. Hill, uh, and you're obviously you know training and, and racing yourself. Beyond those things, if you had to start again tomorrow and do something completely different, what do you reckon you'd do? It's a very <laughs> good question. I'd probably study, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a very boring answer, but I, I think, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm at a point with all those things you just highlighted where I, I necessarily need to. Um, but I think if I had a clean slate, I'd love to, I, I'm just naturally curious. I think it, it speaks to me to want to go back and, you know, learn and learn what I don't know, basically. Yeah. Um, and kind of expand some horizons in, in different areas. Yeah. And that may be something I do in the future anyway, but yeah, I think I'd just, I'd, I'd really like to, you know, as you say, clean slate, mm-hmm. just yeah. start again, 
learn yeah. everything that I don't know and, and kind of let that evolve as I go down that, that path. Yeah. Yeah. Anything at the top of the wish list, do you reckon? Uh, nothing specific, no. no. Um, you know, I, I could say a bunch of things tied in with what you guys are obviously experts in and what I do and I have a lot of knowledge in, which is training and triathlon, but footwear, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, it's probably born from experience. I think if we were going blank slate it'd probably be something different completely yeah. i did fine art when i did go to uni so well there you go yeah might be something down that line yep awesome yeah, philosophy maybe i'm fairly philo- yeah, philosophical <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> all right I'll, I'll keep that in mind for a sec for a question in a couple of minutes time right. um any things on your bucket list that you haven't done yet uh i haven't so I've never really had a bucket list, to be honest. Like I kind of, if I'm really interested in something, I do it. And as I mentioned earlier with you guys, I, I kind of don't just half do it. <laughs> uh, much to probably my partner's chagrin because <laughs> she has to bear the brunt of me going from a full-time obsessed cricketer to a full-time obsessed triathlete. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't necessarily have a bucket list, but there're a few things I'd love to do like not totally unrelated to triathlon, but I'd love to do coast to coast, the race in New Zealand. Yeah. One of my best mates has has done it a bunch of times. He's won it twice. So and um yeah, I just, you know, it looks like a pretty insane, unique event that that probably is a bit of a bucket list item you got to yep. kind of do it once, even though I've yep. never paddled a boat, so it could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, and for the listeners who don't know what Coast to Coast is, it's like it's a basically an off-road multi-sport event in New Zealand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they call it the Multi-Sport World Championships. So yep. you race from one side of the South Island to the other, yep. however, by whatever means necessarily. So I think it's, it's a lot of bike, run, and um, paddling. Yep. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Um, now, obviously, you went from cricket to triathlon, uh, which yeah. was quite a change. But is there any other sports you sort of seen and going, hmm, maybe I'd love to give that a crack one day? <laughs> Heaps. And there's plenty yeah. that I have tried, to be honest. Um, I, I never got to play properly, but ice hockey. Yeah. Uh, I've dabbled, but not. I haven't actually played a proper game. Um, uh I've, I play golf, so golf. I think I would have loved to have grown up with golf in a different life and pursued yep. that more seriously. But, um, you know, I play that because I enjoy it now. It's a good, yep. good kind of way to switch off. Uh, what else? Field hockey. Never got to play that. Very yep. curious. I think probably would have suited my skill set. So, you know, missed <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, yeah, there's a million. I mean, I love sport in general so yeah um yeah. you know you could probably you could probably pick one out of the air and i'd i'd want to play it yeah fair yeah. enough yeah um obviously you, you know you didn't done a bit of iron man racing is there a particular race that you've sort of always wanted to do like an iron man event that you you haven't been to yet uh yeah it's not iron man branded but it's an iron distance event yeah. it's challenge roth mm. in germany yeah. um 
that's probably the one. Like, I think when I first started, Kona was it, and I've done Kona twice. So I still want to go back there as a professional. That's the ultimate goal for me. Um, yeah. But I can't say mm. I haven't done it. So, you know, mm. it's a little bit different, but Roth would be would be a trip for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything particular about that event? Roth? Mm. I think the way, like, triathlon's a huge sport in Germany. So yeah. I think just the atmosphere that they can garner for a race, yeah. which you just don't get here. I mean, I probably yeah. haven't experienced something like that in triathlon, to be, to be honest. So mm. we're talking like crowds that are 10 deep, you know, hundreds of thousands of people watching on course, which is just mm. absurd. Like you can't yeah. even really comprehend what that would look like. Sort of Tour de France style. Yeah, literally. There's a there's a hill in the bike course called Solarberg Hill and you're literally riding up through the crowd like you would yeah. in the Tour de France. So yeah. yeah. I think if you're gonna race for eight hours, then it's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as long as yeah. you don't sure. blow up yeah. with all the cool. cheering. Oh yeah. Probably yeah. adrenaline might get the better of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and the final question, coming back to that philosophical nature, yeah. do you live by any sort of piece of advice or motto? Yeah, I do. So give it some backstory because yeah. why not? Um, yeah. I always think it helps contextualise these things. Uh, when I was playing cricket, I had a really great coach when I was – it was indoor cricket of all things, um, uh, playing nationals – in Canberra and it was middle of winter, it was freezing cold. And our coach was also pretty young. He was probably around 30 at the time. We were all 17, 18. Um, but his advice to me and us, and he was very level, very quiet, kind of even guy emotionally, which I loved, was we we all kind of knew we were pretty subpar for Queensland, a Queensland team. Um, we're missing some, some big players that had aged out. And so we weren't the favourites, which we'd been used to being forever. Um, and we probably knew we were, we were going to have to punch above our weight quite a bit. And so his advice, his motto for us was focus on the process, not the prize. Yeah. And there's a really good kind of story that goes with that about Nacha, um, who shoots you know, basically he shoots for nothing and he has all of his skill, he's got all of his ability when he's not shooting for a prize and as he shoots for bigger and bigger prizes, his basically skill deserts him because he focuses too much on the outcome. And I, I just, I don't know why that spoke to me. It's probably pretty impressionable age being, I think I was 16 at the time um, and really idolised our coach, uh, but it's always stuck with me and it's it's probably helped me a lot in a sport that is very process driven. Um, mm. I think it just, you know, that, that helps me to stay in the moment, stay grounded, keeps everything in context, not get too far ahead of myself. Um, Cause I think when I've, when I've done that in the past, it's, blown up in my face so <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough yeah you know, it's, I think it's yeah. a really good one and as you said you know like endurance sports like the the volume of training you do relative to the amount of time you actually spend competing totally. you know, if, you, if you're not going to enjoy the training yeah um you, you're going to be a bloody hard slog oh i think that's a great point and i think that's why i love what i 
do with triathlon it's because i do love the process of it you know mm. it's not really about racing at all for me um mm. i i love the process of trying to improve and get better and you know racing is kind of how you can manifest that but if you don't enjoy training to race then why do it at all yeah Yep. I think the other aspect of that, which um, Jess Trengove spoke about when we had her on the podcast, she, she talked about you know when she went to the London Olympics and how she was so confronted by these people who were just, their entire life identity was almost hanging on, you know, a one-hour event. Yeah, yeah. In I one agree. year. And if they didn't perform to whatever expectation they'd set for themselves, it was just like, the end of the world almost because absolutely yeah, again they were so focused on this one outcome rather than the, the process of getting there absolutely and i've seen yeah. that like i've I, I people i know and friends who've uh, been lifelong athletes and then stopped and their entire sense of self is mm. stopped with it mm. you know how do they identify if not as an athlete as an elite yeah. athlete or someone who does x sport um and their self-worth is very tied up in that. Yeah. Thankfully, that's not something I've ever really had. So, but, you know, I see it in others. I probably part can contribute to some very poor mental health in sports, especially yeah, at high levels because, yeah. you know, you see it everywhere. If you know what you're looking for, it's it's everywhere, every sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's And it's sad, like especially in sports where the elite the elite window is young mm. 18 to 30 like yeah that's formative adulthood and if you're tied up in a system that prioritizes who you are as an athlete not who you are as a person then you know what hope do you have yeah, I think yep. you know yeah. I, it's it's got its massive it's got massive flaws if in my opinion, mm. and not only just what you're doing in that moment, but what you're missing out on. Yeah, because totally. of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, that's a, a very philosophical yeah. way to end <laughs> the podcast. I was just thinking back, Steph, to uh, episode two A with with Dr. Sam Impey because his motto was "A beer in the hand is worth two in the fridge," which I thought was kind of appropriate yeah. for tonight. <laughs> But um, that's all right. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So thanks so much for your time, Nate, to hey, you're have a, a bit of a chat about all things beer. Yeah. And, um, you know, as, as Ben Desbro said last week, you know, can I have a beer after training? A beer? Yeah, absolutely, of course. Uh, getting on the beers, as Dan Andrews said, <laughs> maybe not so much. Yeah. But, um, yeah, all, all in context. Totally. So thanks for your time. You're welcome. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nath, um, for talking to us and yeah, giving us an insight into your training as well um, and how you approach approach that. Uh, so, Alan, did you just want to summarise, um, you know, what we've learned, I guess, from um, Ben and Nath in, in terms of the topic of can I have a beer um, after after a session or after an event even? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there's a few different aspects that you can you can look at this and that comes back to those R's of recovery. Mm. So you can look at refueling um, in terms of, you know, restoring the carbohydrate that your body's used up during the training or, or race. There's obviously the rehydration side of it. Um, there's the sort of repair, rebuild 
in terms of you know muscle damage and, and also the adaptations that our body makes to training that's driven primarily by protein. Mm. Um, there's the the R's around regulate that you mentioned in the in the first of the two episodes around you know the gut, but that's more so what you're doing during mm. training to then allow the recovery to happen post training. Mm. Um, and then there's the the R of recovery that that Ben mentioned uh, is obviously a really important one as well. Um, you know, particularly around mental health and and you know staying at that point where you enjoy the process of training and enjoy your sport rather than something that sort of stresses you out or uh, you become, you know, sort of overly obsessive about. Um, so, I mean, I think in terms of, you know, beer or, or alcohol more broadly on this, I guess if we're to, to summarise that, in terms of um, repair, uh, that protein sort of synthetic thing that Ben mm. talked about, you need an awful lot of alcohol before that becomes impaired. So, you know, a beer or even a couple mm. is probably not going to impact on that. Uh, in terms of rehydration, I guess it's more both about the the total quantity, but also the concentration of alcohol, you know, relative to the fluid that it's in. So, um, you know, light beers and no alcohol beers are going to be absolutely fine. They're not going to impact on rehydration negatively at all. Uh, but once you start getting up to full strength beers, sort of above four percent alcohol, and I guess that would go for you know wine and spirits and things as well, then um, yes, there, there's a risk, particularly more than you know a couple mm. um, that you you're then going to see uh, rehydration being impaired. So just something to, to bear in mind if, if rapid rehydration or, or you know, full rehydration is important to you, obviously depending on what you've come, got coming up next. Um, and then there's the relaxation side of things, which as Ben said is, is one of the things that, um, you know, beer can have a role in um, culturally as, as much as anything. Um, and, and obviously, you know, different groups of, of people and friends will be different around that. And so, you know, it's not to say that you have to have beer, but um, also that not that you have to strictly avoid mm. it either, um, I guess is probably the, the, the best way to put it. Uh, and then I guess, as Nathan said, um, you know, that that's well and good. Uh, you just want to be careful, obviously, um, you know, too much beer can have sort of negative consequences, both on recovery in the short term, but, you know, things like mental health in the, the long term as well. Um, and that can be a double-edged sword in terms of mental health and, and alcohol abuse um, going in, in both directions, you know, one causing the other or, or vice versa. Um, so, yeah, obviously it's a, um, you know, not, not something that applies to everyone. Not everyone drinks mm. alcohol uh, and not everyone is going to want to have a beer after a hard training session, but a lot of people do, and, and hopefully from these two episodes, it's put people's mind at ease a little bit that, you know, uh, you know you're not going to, it's not going to be a wasted training session if you have a mm. beer or even a couple of beers after training. Uh, it's not going to be too much of a drama, and if you're really concerned about it, yeah, go for, for low or, or no alcohol beers as an alternative mm. to that if you just want the taste and the, the relaxation or yeah. the social element. Yep. yep, spot on. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah, so next episode we are going to crack into uh, learning about, you know, whether it's your first ultra, so whether it's your first ultra as a runner or in terms of, you know, triathlon or in terms of um, being a cyclist, what we're going to do is we're going to um, interview some athletes and coaches on that topic. So uh, next week uh, we'll be talking about that. So Alan and I will talk about, you know, how do we go about approaching our first ultra, whether it's in either of the sports. Um, 
uh, we may focus on running next week. And then our athlete the following week will be uh, the lovely Kelly Emerson. Uh, and we'll ask her about her experience in tackling uh, ultra running. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So that'll be episode 12, obviously 12A next week with just the two of us. Um, and that'll be an interesting episode, Steph, because that is pretty much the topic and the conversation that started this entire podcast oh, 12 plus months ago when we were asked to do some presentations for an online running conference. Uh, and the very first thing we did was a talk about your first preparing for your first ultra event um yeah and it was that recording that uh sparked the idea for this podcast so yeah it's sort of good to come full circle and, and come back to that again so that'll be great uh, and as we said this this episode will not just have a part a and a b it'll probably have an a b c and possibly even a d um mm. to, to cover sort of you know practical aspects of, of ultra distance events uh in all the different guises in terms of you know ultra running uh you know ultra distance triathlon in terms of you know ironman um and then we'll we'll look at a you know, cycling or mountain bike one as well yeah we should say also um now they know that you know that our what the listeners know that our next topic's going to be on on ultra running and we'll have kelly um shoot us any questions mm. that you've got or you really want to ask kelly um specifically in terms of her ultra running advice um if you can shoot us those questions yeah we'd be happy to um uh, ask some of them yeah yep so absolutely mm -hmm. at the log munch on instagram facebook and twitter uh you can yeah send us a comment there we might even do a, a quick little post there asking for questions if anyone has anything specific that they're they're dying to know uh just in mm -hmm. terms of you know how you prepare for your your first ultra distance event if that's something that you're, you're stepping up the distance for the first time and you're not really sure how to go about it or what to do uh, or you're a bit nervous about specific aspects of that from a nutrition and, and hydration perspective then, then this will be the episode for you yeah yeah perfect all right yeah so please check us out on social media instagram facebook and twitter uh, and we're on all your popular podcasts at the long munch uh, and then until then we will see you next week we'll do see everyone then